Hi, this is Pastor Ben Fagelin from Bright Church. I'm so glad you're listening to this podcast. I hope this message inspires you, deepens your relationship with God, and that you're encouraged in your faith. We hope to see you soon at Bright. And I'm titling this message, Why Pray? Because people wanted to know, why should I pray? It feels like God is silent. It doesn't feel like He's speaking to me. Do my prayers even change the outcome? Is God just going to go ahead and you know, do whatever He's going to do? And, and I've got to tell you, I love these requests because I've been there. I mean, I know what this feels like. I know exactly what it feels like to have these questions. I know what it feels like to wonder if God is listening and to wonder if the prayers that you're putting out there, is anybody even listening to them? Are they going out into the universe and God's ignoring them? And how does this all work? In fact, I'll tell you a kind of an embarrassing story for me. I remember when I had just come back to church and I was trying to figure out this relationship with God. And I wanted to know that the prayers I was praying, I was praying, were going somewhere. They were getting to his ear. And I didn't feel like he was really saying yes to me a lot. So I had this kind of standoff moment with God. And I don't know if you've ever had a standoff with God, but I tell you, it's not a great idea. But my my moment went something like this. I said, God, if you don't show up, if you don't speak to me, if you don't tell me in some physical way that you're here right now, I'm not going any further. I don't want to grow anymore. I don't want to learn anymore. I don't want to read anymore. I'm not taking another step in my faith until you prove to me that you're in this room right now. So go on, flick the lights on and off. I I could wait all night. Well, I couldn't wait all night. I actually got bored of it after probably about 10 minutes. But the truth is, is that I had this kind of standoff with God where I just wanted Him to show up in a physical way to let me know that He was listening. And and, and I got to tell you, that whole standoff thing, I, I don't know if it lasted more than four weeks, but I know that in that time, in that moment, I didn't grow I didn't learn anything. It probably wasn't the smartest thing to do. And I can tell you this right now, out of my own personal experience, if the devil could do one thing to you, it would be to convince you that prayer doesn't work. Because prayer is one of the most powerful ways that you can connect with God. And when I say connect with God, I mean you can directly and and very personally connect with God. In fact, prayer is not just about some monologue where you give God your list of things that you want done. No, he, He speaks back to you and the devil would do everything to discourage you from communicating directly with God. And I know what it feels like to wonder and and say, well, hey, are my prayers even working? Like for those of you that have had this question and have asked this question, you know, like I'm, I'm praying, Pastor Ben, I'm saying the words and I feel like, you know, God is just going ahead and He just seems to be doing whatever He wants to do. It's like I, I might as well not even do it. Nothing seems to really work. And, and I, I get that. But you got to start to think about what kind of worldview you're creating for yourself. How do you think this whole thing works? So if I could do this today, if I could give you a spectrum of belief, 
for how things could work. And then we'll find out how I think things really do work. This might help you. So at one end of the spectrum, I want you to imagine that we, we have this idea that the whole universe is governed by luck, just dumb luck. It just sometimes works out and sometimes it doesn't and everything's random. There's no moral governance of the universe, nothing like that. Everything's just unfolding the way that it happens. It's all chance. Some of you are Christian people and you're still a little bit caught up in this idea of luck, which is why when you see a really big ladder, you think, ah, you know, I, I'm pretty sure that God is sovereign, but hey, 2020 sucks already. Let's not risk it. I'm just going to go around the ladder. Let's not walk underneath it. You see a black cat walk across your path, you know, and then you think, well, you know, 2020, could it get worse? Why risk it? I'm going to turn around the other way. Let's go back the way that I came. We don't need things to get worse than they already are. So, so that's like luck and random at one end of the spectrum. The other end of the spectrum is this idea of fatalism. Everything's planned. Everything's already preordained. Everything is destined. You, you, you're a robot. You don't even think. You think you're thinking, but you're not thinking. You just follow out the things that have been pre-programmed in you. Time and everything has been set in place. And it's this idea that we don't even make choices or decisions. And I'm going to say to you that I don't think that either luck works and I don't think that, you know, fatalism works. In fact, I would say that there is a place in the middle where two things come together, our choices and God's plans. And in that moment, I feel like they overlap. They, they meet in this place because you are absolutely making choices. That's how you can be held responsible and accountable for what you do. And on the other side of that coin, God is absolutely in charge. He's absolutely in charge of everything that happens. And we have a word for this and we call it providence. And providence is a word that means God is governing the universe. And even within the idea that God is governing the whole universe is still the belief that we make choices and we are responsible for the decisions that we make. So, so this is kind of how it works. God has planned for you to pray. So, and this is going to be a little bit tricky right now. So I want you to stay with me. Stay with me. This is how it works. If you don't pray, nothing's going to happen. If you don't pray, nothing's going to happen. And if you do pray, something could change. Something might change. Something will change. But the things that changed have been planned by God. So, so you had to pray to have it happen, but it just happens to be that those things have also been planned by God. Now, if this is wrecking your brain, I don't blame you. It's a little bit confusing. And you say, well, how's he go ahead and do that? How does God plan for these things? And yet I'm making decisions. This is confusing. I don't really quite get it. Well, I understand that. I mean, I'm talking to you about it right now and I'm not sure I fully completely understand it. I mean, I can get it conceptually, but I think that one of the worst things that we could do 
is to take the God who created the universe and is governing everything and is sovereign over, you know, time and space and to try to bring him down to our level and say, exactly how does this work? I want you to explain it to me because I don't understand how I'm making choices and I'm accountable for them. And yet you've planned and in some ways preordained those same choices that I'm making. It doesn't make sense. I get it. I understand, but this is God, okay? So He's able to do what we are not able to do, and I can see why it's confusing. There is this um, movie that came out years ago. It's called The Butterfly Effect. Now, it's a great movie. Now, if you watch it and you're offended by anything in it, I do not recommend that movie. I don't recommend it. If you watch it and you love it, you're welcome. Okay, so, so in this movie, the way that it works is that this guy, he kind of, he's, he's older, maybe in his, you know, late 20s or something. And anyway, he kind of blanks out at different parts of his childhood. And he discovers later on in life that he can go back in time and he can go into those moments where he blanks out and make some changes in his past. And what happens is he discovers that as he goes back and make changes, those changes begin to ripple throughout his time and his history. And he goes back to his future self, but everything's different. Nothing's the same. And he can't quite get it right. So he's going to keep going back to try to get the best outcome imaginable. And, and so this you know, is exactly what it's like in, in real life. The decisions that we're making right now, they ripple throughout time and history. The small, insignificant things that we might do sometimes can have a flow-on effect. Now, if you skip to the end of time, the Bible says that there is this book called the Lamb's Book of Life. And in that book are the names of all the people that have turned towards God, given their hearts and their lives to Him. All right, so all the people throughout time and history, that their names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Now, here's what's interesting. The book is written before the foundation of the earth. And so God knows everything that's going to happen, but it's not that He just skips to the end and sees the end and writes it all down. It's already planned. And yet in the middle of all the planning, people are still responsible for their choices. So it's kind of weird because in one sense, we look at it and we say, wait, you mean that God's controlling it? Yep. Wait, so you mean that people are also making decisions? Yep. Consider this, right? There's this story in the Bible about this guy called Jonah. And Jonah is a, is a prophet to Israel, but God sends him to a place called Nineveh. And the Ninevites were terrible people, horrible people. Okay, so, so they were a warmongering type people. You know, they, they would tie people up on, on like, imagine like a, a cross, like Jesus' cross that's tipped on its side. So it actually forms like an X, you know, and they, they would tie people up, tie their arms and their legs up. And, and this is going to be a little bit horrible for you, but, but they would cut open their stomachs so that they could watch their entrails fall onto the ground while they were still alive. I mean, this is the kind of stuff that they did. And so God's going to destroy this city, Nineveh. And He says, hang on, Jonah, I'm going to send you to these people to tell them to stop living the way that they're living. And I kind of feel like Jonah was like, nah, nah, God, I'm not going to do that. I don't really want to do that. So, so if, 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 
you know, Nineveh is over here. Jonah finds the furthest place that he could on the map, a place called Tarshish, and he gets on a boat and he starts to head that direction. Well, if you note the story, a big sea, sea monster, it doesn't actually say whale, by the way, but some kind of sea creature anyway, swallows him up, spits him on the land. Eventually, he gets sort of corralled into going towards Nineveh. He goes to Nineveh. He preaches to the city. They repent. They change their ways. The city is spared and saved. Now, I consider that all of those people go on and play a part in human history. This is the timeline that we are a part of. And so they went on to have families and affect other people all the way through up until right now. Now, if that city was gone, maybe I wouldn't even exist. Maybe you wouldn't even exist. But they were spared and they went on to have lives. And so, you know, that has affected the future. And what's really interesting is that because the city repented, along with all the other people throughout time and history who have given their hearts and their lives to God, all their names are written in the book of life at the end of time, at the end of the age. Now, this is where it gets kind of crazy because I start to think, if their names were already written in the book, did God force Jonah to go and preach to that city and in that sense kind of completely control him so he didn't have a choice? No, no, that didn't happen. Jonah made the decision to go preach to that city. That's become part of our history now, but it was Jonah's choice to do it. So how did God do it? Well, he kind of limited Jonah's options and, uh, you know, kind of funneled him towards the future that God had planned. And if you start to think about how he did that with just one story, I want you to imagine the complexities of governing things across the universe in just the same way to deliver this earth towards the ultimate outcome that he has planned and predestined and in the middle of it, allowing people to still make their own choices. And you wonder why he can't explain it to you. I told you it's kind of confusing. Here's what you need to know, and I hope this is helpful to you. Your prayers overlap with God's plans. Your prayers, they overlap with God's plans. It's planned by God, and yet you are praying for it to happen. And so your prayers matter. History has been changed by God's intervening from people's prayers. That's why you've got to keep praying because it does make a difference. And don't you think it's kind of interesting that Jesus, even though Jesus was fully God and fully man, that he spent so much time in prayer? I mean, if it didn't work, you would think that Jesus of all people would know that prayer doesn't work. But if you read the scriptures, you just see time and time again that Jesus would get away. He'd spend time in solitude. He'd, he'd, he'd pray before he made really big decisions. In fact, before he chose his disciples, it says that he spent all night, all night in prayer. When was the last time that the sun went down and you were praying and then the sun came up and you found yourself still praying about a certain circumstance or situation? Man, Jesus prayed all the time. In fact, this is one of the things it says about Jesus in Hebrews 5 verse 7. It says, In the days of His flesh, that's when He lived on the earth, 
Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death. And he, being Jesus, was heard because of his reverence. Now, what it doesn't say is that Jesus was heard because of the length of his prayers. How do we pray? Come on. He wasn't heard because of the length of his prayers. And it doesn't say that he was heard because of the volume with which he prayed. It wasn't because he had a loud, booming voice and he prayed loud. It doesn't say that he was heard because of the eloquence of his words. He knew very spiritual words and he used the the right words that caught God's attention and God responded because his prayers sounded so beautiful. No, 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 no. It doesn't say anything like that. In fact, the thing that caught God's attention was the reverence that Jesus had for his Father in heaven. That word reverence, it means holy awe or fear. And when I say fear, I don't mean like the kind of fear where you're afraid of God. It's this holy awe and reverence where you see God and His majesty and and who He is. And because Jesus carried that in His heart, it meant that His prayers were heard by His Father. See, it wasn't the words that He said. It was the condition of His heart. And that's how Jesus was able to do so many amazing things. Come on, you've read the Scriptures. You see all the incredible things that Jesus did in His time. And and you know, I can tell you this right now. To Jesus, for all the prayers that He prayed publicly, there was a whole heap of prayers that He prayed privately. In fact, I would say it was His devotion in private prayer that gave Him the ability to what He did in the public spaces. And he would do incredible miracles. I mean, come on, turn water to wine. That's amazing. Who hasn't prayed that prayer? Come on. All right, that's a joke. I'm just projecting. But anyway, the the point is, is that Jesus was able to do amazing things. I tell you, his disciples watched it. They would watch the prayers and they would see what he did. In In fact, they said this. They said, Jesus could you show us how to pray? Because we see what you could do and can you show us how to pray? And so Jesus teaches them how to pray and He uses this prayer. It's called the Lord's Prayer. And it goes something like this. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory, now and forever. Amen. Now, that's an impressive prayer, but what it is, is a template of prayer. See, if you grew up in a church where they said, this is how you pray, and they just taught you to recite that thing I just said, Oh, that, that's getting a bit religious now, isn't it? And one of the things we know is, hey, we don't want to be religious. You know, it's not just reciting the words. I, I could remember all of that and not have my heart in it at all. You think that Jesus went out to the Mount of Olives and just kept on saying that same thing over and over? Gosh, it only takes a minute to say. If that was the way that you're supposed to pray, you'd be saying that a thousand times a night. I mean, imagine praying that from night all the way through to the next morning. No. No, 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 no. It's meant to be a template for prayer. Let me show you what I mean. 
So when you start to pray, you say, our Father. So that's the relationship I have with God who art in heaven. That's where He is. This is where I am. Hallowed be your name. Oh, I approach you with the proper awe and reverence. I see the magnificence of who you are. I have that holy awe and fear in my life as I approach you, God. I mean, the whole thing is just the template. And so Jesus, one of the things, come on now, one of the things that Jesus was great at doing, He was great at praying. And so everyone could see that. And I got to tell you that even though Jesus was great at praying, not even Jesus always got a yes. In fact, one of the things that you need to know is that God has three answers. Uh, Yes, we like that. No, we don't like that. And not yet. And not yet is always difficult because not yet feels like no until it becomes a yes. And some of you are not quitters and you keep praying until you discover some breakthrough. I mean, some of you, you just hate the word no. So when you get a no, you keep praying. And this is where it gets kind of frustrating sometimes because sometimes the timing's not right. So you're asking God and you're praying, right? And then you get breakthrough. But It might not ever happen. It might just be that God says no. And if you really, really hate no, and I know a lot of people that don't like that answer, is that they just keep praying and trying to ignore the fact that God says no. Hey, here's the truth. Sometimes God says no. And just because He says no, doesn't mean that God doesn't care about you. And if God says no, it doesn't mean that He doesn't love you. I mean, there are literally so many reasons why God says no. There are so many reasons why you don't get a yes. I'm going to give you a couple right now. How about this? James chapter 4 and verse 3. He says, You ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly. You just got the wrong motive. The motive in your heart isn't right. It could be that the prayer that you're praying is just a selfish prayer. It's just about what benefits you without consideration as to how it might impact other people. If your motive is wrong, if you don't have the right things in your heart, come on, God's not going to give you a yes. You got to understand that. How about James 1.6 that says, But let him ask in faith with no doubting. So you can't ask and doubt that God's going to answer your prayers. Come on, that makes sense, doesn't it? Now, a lot of people are going to take this out of context. So I want to provide you some context for what I'm talking about today. So when I say asking without doubting, it doesn't mean that you pray and you hope and you know that God is good and you believe. The kind of doubting that this passage is talking about is when you say, God, you know, for example, God, uh, can you give me a job? But you probably won't because, you know, you don't answer prayers very often. And, you know, that's the kind of God that you are. Don't know if I could really trust you. God, would you answer my prayers? But you don't, you probably won't. That's the kind of doubt that I'm talking about. Now, Jesus said, if you had faith like a mustard seed, you can throw a mountain into the sea. He's making the point that if you've got some faith, if you believe in God, even though you don't know exactly what's going to happen, come on, that's the kind of faith I'm talking about. Number three, what about 1 Peter 3, 7? It says, husbands, listen up. It says this, 
Show honor to the woman as the weaker vessel. Ladies, don't get offended. It's talking about physical strength. Maybe some of you are still offended. Normally, guys are stronger. Sorry, it's probably true, right? So it says, come on now. Uh, Show honor to the woman as the weaker vessel physically, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life. And then get this, husbands, so that your prayers may not be hindered. Apparently, some of the husband's prayers were hindered because they weren't honoring their wives. Husbands, if your prayers aren't being answered, consider how you're treating your spouse. Guess what, ladies? This is a two-way street. Don't think this just applies to the men. Ladies, if you're not honoring your husbands, if you're married and you don't honor your husband, it's going to hinder your prayers too. So come on, maybe get that relationship thing right and your prayers won't be hindered as much. How about this, number four? I love this story, Luke 9.54. Basically, the Samaritans, a group of people, they've rejected the gospel, which is the good news that Jesus Christ came from heaven to earth, died on the cross for people's sins. And if you go to God and ask Him for forgiveness for all the wrong things that you've done, you are saved by grace, okay? He will set you free from the power of sin. So that's what the gospel is. And it says in in verse 54 that when the disciples, James and John, saw that they'd rejected the gospel, they said, they said this to Jesus. This is in the Bible. This is so embarrassing for them. Lord, do you want us to tell uh, fire to come down from heaven and consume them? Are you kidding me? They, they, oh, this is so embarrassing for them because it's recorded in the Scriptures. They said, hey, they've rejected the gospel. Let's just burn them alive. You know what's funny is they thought they could actually do it. You know, let's call down fire from heaven. Let's see everybody get consumed that rejected the gospel. (laughs) You know, one of the reasons why God doesn't answer your prayers is because it's a dumb prayer. You've prayed some dumb prayers. I've prayed some dumb prayers. I bet they didn't think that that was a dumb prayer. They probably thought that they were going to get a yes. Then maybe they actually thought, they actually believed that Jesus was going to say, yeah, come on, let's burn these people for rejecting the gospel. But no, 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 no. That's not how God operates. They should have seen that. They didn't get it. That's one of the reasons why God doesn't give you a yes sometimes. You got to consider in all of this stuff, right? You got to consider that some of you are praying for the exact opposite things, you know? And if God was to answer one of you, the other person would get a no. Imagine the complexities across human history and time and space. People are asking for the exact opposite things all of the time. So you you imagine the complexities of trying to navigate that space. No, 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 no. You need to thank God, literally. You need to thank God that He doesn't always give you a yes. You see, sometimes the request that you've made, it's just wrong for you. And you don't know. You don't, you don't know. You, you don't get it. You, you think that it's okay. You think it's a good thing to ask for. But the request is wrong. My kids are like this. Oh, my gosh. My, my, my kids are like sometimes, hey, Dad, could we just have ice cream for breakfast? Or, Dad, would it be okay if we just eat sugar and stay up late all night and watch movies that are way above our age level? Like, would that be okay? I'm like, no. No, it's actually not okay. Dad, well, this is, let me give you an excerpt of my life in ISO, okay? 
Dad, can I have a snack? No. Can I have a snack? No. Can I have a snack? No. Can I have a snack? I mean, gosh, they never stop asking for snacks. Dad, can I have an apple? Yes. When the snack is right, I'll give you a yes. It's just that I know what you mean by snack, you know? I'm not going to say yes to every request that they make. And by the way, you can try to sweeten your prayer up a little bit by adding in Jesus' name at the end of your prayer. But that's not magic. God is not responsible to say yes to your requests because you added in Jesus' name at the end. I remember one person saying to me one time, hey, when I ask for something in Jesus' name, it's supposed to happen. I said in Jesus' name, it didn't happen. Well, that's not what that scripture means. When you ask for something in Jesus' name, it means that you are aligning your heart, your values, everything you want with heaven's plans and goals and values. It's what God wants. And when you start to ask for what God wants, oh yeah, that's when you really start to get a yes. So sometimes we ask for things that we know are just not right or we don't know are not right and God knows and that's why you don't get the yes. But I totally get it. Because the truth is, is that some of you have prayed some really good prayers. And you've said things like, God, would you please heal my kids? Or God, could you please heal my, my wife, my husband, my, my grandparents? Come on, how, how can it be wrong to pray for someone to be healed? Surely that's what God wants. And you know, I read the Scriptures and I, I, I get it. What, why are some people healed and other people aren't? And the truth is, I don't know. I don't know why some people are healed and other people are not healed. I don't know why some prayers in this area of healing especially are answered by God and others are not. And, you know, I've prayed prayers for people to be healed and they haven't been healed. And I don't always feel like I've got closure on that moment. So in our relationship, we have a gap. Now, some people, they experience something like this and, and they don't even want to bridge the gap. They say, I don't want a relationship with you, God, anymore because you didn't heal the person that I was praying for. And some people are going to bridge that gap, but they'll, they'll bridge it with suspicion. It's like, okay, God, we'll, we'll continue on with this Christian life faith thing, but, but I don't know if I trust you. I don't know, God, if I can believe you anymore. So, so you keep having the relationship with God, but you're kind of suspicious of him. For me personally, when I've had to decide how I'm going to bridge the silent gap, the, the gap where I have no knowledge of why God did something, now I choose to bridge it with trust. Because when I'm trying to figure out why something didn't happen the way I wanted it to happen, you know, the thing I've got to do is try to bridge that gap with an assessment of God's character, who He is. And when I'm trying to figure out who God is, the truth is, I go back to the gospel. I think about the fact that the God who owed me nothing gave me everything. 
And He loves me so much that He'd be willing to sacrifice His only Son so that I could be in relationship with Him and that you could be in relationship with Him. And any God that does something that extreme and would go to such lengths to love me is obviously a person that I can trust. It's just that I don't understand why He did what He did. When I was younger and growing up, my, my, my grandfather died at 59 years old. I remember being frustrated and upset. Can I tell you, it's okay to be frustrated and upset. God can handle that. Just don't walk away. Some of the reasons why God doesn't answer your prayers is, is that the request is wrong for you. Sometimes the reason that God doesn't answer your prayers is that the request you're making, while seemingly good to you, is actually bad for other people. It has a ripple effect on the world around you. Remember, you got to understand that God actually has His own plans. It's not that you get everything you want. He's still God. You still serve Him. That is the relationship that we have with God. I mean, He does have His own plans. And I'm so glad that He does. You know, I, I told you that not all of our prayers get answered. One time Jesus said to God, He said, Hey, if it be possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Jesus prayed this prayer in the garden of Gethsemane right before he was led to the cross when he knew that he was going to be tortured. And he said, God, if there is another way, I would ask for any way out. I don't want to actually go through that. The word Gethsemane in both the Hebrew and Aramaic words, they, that means the place of crushing. It was the Mount of Olives, but it's, it's the place of crushing. It's, it means, the words literally mean oil press. And the truth is, is that sometimes when we are getting with God and we're, we're bringing our circumstances to Him, we feel like we're in the oil press. We feel like we're being crushed by our situations and circumstances. And we say, God, don't let there be some crushing. I don't want there to be any crushing. That's what Jesus was praying in the place called the oil press. You know, the scriptures say in Isaiah 53 10 that it was the will of God to crush Jesus. And the reason why it was his will is that God can accomplish something through crushing that he can't accomplish through simply just blessing you constantly and lifting all of your burdens off all of the time. I did not say that God sends sickness. I did not say that God sends crushing. But sometimes He allows crushing to happen because He's trying to develop you. He's trying to make you stronger. He doesn't always want to lift the weights off you. He wants you to do some resistance training. He wants you to be a little bit resilient. He wants you to have some resolve. And I can tell you that whenever you go through a crushing and God is allowing it, there's always a purpose in doing it. I'm so glad that He doesn't answer every prayer with a yes because in this prayer that Jesus prayed where He says, let the cup pass from me. If it's okay, if it's in your will, you know, I'm so glad that He didn't say yes to that. Because if, if He said yes to Jesus, then He'd be saying no to the rest of us for all of eternity. God, can we enter into heaven with you? No. Because I said yes to Jesus. You see, there is a ripple effect that happens. You got to know something that God is, is willing to make the tough calls for the right outcomes occasionally. I'm so glad we have the gospel. I'm so glad that God loves us enough that He would punish His own Son in our place. 
I got to tell you that God loves you so much. You should do whatever you can to connect with the God that loves you. Some of you are, are seeking Him. I tell you, He's seeking you. You say, well, why can't I hear Him? I don't know. Like, what are you listening for? I remember speaking to a new Christian once. He said, God has never spoken to me. I said, what are you looking for? He said, an audible voice. I said, that doesn't happen very often. You know the way that God speaks? Sometimes it's in a feeling. Sometimes you just know something that you didn't know before. Sometimes there's a, a voice in your spirit. You hear with your spirit. It's like you hear it whispered, but it wasn't audible. It was somewhere deep inside of here that you heard something. Sometimes you're reading the scriptures and, and God speaks to you through His Word. There are so many ways that God can communicate with you. I think one of the things that we need to do is just get into the place where we can communicate with Him. One of the things that I've discovered is that we all have different places where we communicate best with God. In fact, Gary Thomas, he writes a book about this. It's called Sacred Pathways. And he, he talks about how some of our different personalities allow us to connect with God in different ways. And that's totally okay. So here's what I want to do before I close today. I'm going to give you a couple of different ways that God will communicate with you. And, and I feel like one of these ways is going to resonate with you. And you're going to say, oh, that's me. That that's, might be how I need to connect with God. The first kind of person that I'm, I'm talking about is someone that's really relational, you know. If you're, if you're a super relational person, you know, uh, you have a, a high word count. You, you're probably an Enneagram type three person, you know, and so you're a relational kind of person. And so for you, like when it comes to solitude, solitude is like an absolute killer for you. And you felt guilty because you can't spend hours and hours and hours in prayer. You're like, I'm not spiritual enough. Hey, you know what? That might not be the way that you feel like you connect really well with God. But, but if you're that kind of a person, if you're a relational person, then if you want to be spiritually alive, one of the best things that you can do, honestly, get to church. Get to a prayer meeting. Get into a space with other people. You know, and, and start to, you know, um, say your prayers in a, in a small group setting or space. That's when you really start to come alive. And, and don't get me wrong, I'm not saying for a moment that you shouldn't cultivate your own private prayer life. Oh, you still need that, but you just really feel alive when you pray with other people. Some of you are, are intellectuals. And so you just want theology. You just want to read the Word of God. You know, for you guys, you, you don't want stories. You say, why does Pastor Ben tell me another story about his kids? I just want to hear the Bible. You know, hey, for you, that's how you learn. It's cool. It's just that not everybody learns that way. Not everyone connects with God intellectually. But for you, you know what's really good? Just read your Bible all the time and read it with a notepad and, and, and let God speak to you through His Word and, and get a Bible commentary and invest into that area of your life. Get an get a ESV study Bible and start to read it. Read it regularly and write down and take notes and, 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 and put little scriptures in the, in the margins that are on your Bible and watch as God begins to speak to you. That's, that's just how you connect. That's okay. For some of you, 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 the way that you connect is serving. I find that men are often like this because a lot of men I know, that they, they, they don't love to read. They want to serve. 
they want to do something with their hands. They want to get in and, and, and be part of it, you know, and I'm telling you, you're a doer. Don't ever apologize for being a doer. We, we know that you're not, you don't have some works-based theology where you say that, hey, all of these good things are earning your grace. No, 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 no. We know, we know. You, you, that's just how you connect. You just love to do it. So, so for you, one of the best things to do if you want to connect with God is sometimes just join a team or go on a missions trip or, or do something, but just be actively involved. Serve in community missions-based things. And, and that's where you really start to come alive and you feel the presence of God in that moment. Some of you are activists, you know. You're, you're against lockdown and guess what? We already know about it because we saw your Facebook post and we know who you're for and we, and we, know, we know who you're against. You, you, you know, if you're an activist, you probably have a gym membership and you haven't been using it a lot really recently, but, but you know, you normally would be using it. You have to do something. You find it hard to sit down on the couch. You, you feel like you're just wasting time unless you're accomplishing something. And, and I get that. I understand that too. And if that's you, you, you love challenges and causes. You want to confront things that you're wrong and lead a revolution. You, you probably overcommit because you just love to leave it all out there on the field and take great risks for God. Well, hey, that's cool. Like do that like appropriately, but, but, but do that. Others of you are, are, are contemplative, you know. If you're contemplative, you might be a messy person. I don't know. You might be messy if you're a contemplative person. Maybe, maybe, maybe not. But you're probably an overthinker. You re replay conversations in your head over and over, but you just contemplate things. You know what's good for you is you know, get your Bible and, and a Spotify playlist and, you know, you, you, you want to sit by, you're going to, as soon as ISO is all over, you're going to go down to Warrandyte and sit by the river in Warrandyte with a coffee and your Bible and, you know, look at the water running by. And that's just where you connect. You, you, that's the thing that you love. I think that that's great. You know, you know, people, they probably drain you and you still love them. It's just that they drain you. So, you know, for you, ISO hasn't actually been that bad, you know, so you just need to get with God and start to get rejuvenated. For others, you just love being creation. So you know what? If you, if you love being creation, go camping, do something like that. You know, go for a walk, listen to music. You know, I, I don't know, just get into nature and, and do whatever you can. Like go to the beach. You know, you're walking on the sand on the beach and you're thinking about Israel walking through the desert and, and walking around the city of Jericho. It feels spiritual. Others uh, of us are just, we're just, hey, we're just walking on the sand, you know. That's one of the ways where you connect. Well, go read your Bible outdoors. Do whatever you want to do. And, and you know what? There are some of you with a thing for you that helps you more than anything else is you just love to get into worship. And when I say worship, I mean like worship songs. You hear the sound. You hear the worship. Suddenly, everything's just changed for you. You feel the presence of God. Paul's just started to play right now. Suddenly, things just got spiritual for you, didn't they? Because he's playing nice, soft music in the background. You love worship. You come to church early. You, you, you get your coffee. You're sitting in your seat. You're relaxed. You're poised. You're ready. Because you, what, what you want to do is you want to hear 
some great worship music and it's in that worship space that you, you feel the presence of God. He speaks to you in that moment. He speaks to you more than anywhere else in, in the songs that you sing and through the music. And it's the lyrics sometimes, but it's even more than that. You just, you just love worship. You've you got an iPhone full of songs. You've invested in some Beats by Dre um, uh, headphones to block out all the other sounds so that you could just focus in on worship. That's what you love. And you guys, oh man, you. You are sometimes the most dangerous drivers that we have on the road today. I've seen some of you. I've been you before. We've seen you driving down the road and, and you're just worshiping God and you're having the greatest moment of your life and you are worshiping so much that you forget that you're actually still driving a vehicle, you know? And uh, hey, when you get to the chorus, just do all of us a favor. Just pull over because it's exciting for you, but we don't want to be excited by your crazy driving because there was an epic worship moment in a chorus. I don't know. Hey, maybe that's how you connect. That's awesome. Find the place that you connect. God is not limited. He wants to speak to you in so many ways. Maybe you've just got to find the way that you can connect with Him because I tell you that I think your, your best and deepest moments with God, the most profound experiences that you have with Him, the clearest you've ever heard Him is all in your future if you get into the space where He begins to speak to you. And so what I would tell you you need to do is, hey, you just need to get there. You need to pray. Please don't stop praying. Don't stop praying. Don't stop praying. Don't stop communicating. Don't stop speaking. Open up your heart again to God if it's been closed because you've been frustrated by the past. You gotta keep praying because I tell you what, prayer, what it accomplishes in you is just as important as what it accomplishes around you. Hey, I'm just gonna pray super quick today. I wanna pray for anybody that's just been struggling to connect with God, maybe in isolation, you know, this season that we're in right now, you've just struggled to connect. I tell you right now, you may not know this, but Jesus is closer than hands and feet. Right now, you're sitting somewhere watching this. He's all around you. You just want to experience Him. I, I want to pray for you. If you're listening to this message today, forget everyone else. This is about you and Him. And you say, God, I just want to, I just want to connect with you again. I just want to hear your voice. I, I need guidance. I need direction. I, 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 want to, I want you to walk me through this season that I'm in right now. Let, let me pray for you. So why don't you place your hand on your heart right now as I pray. God, I just thank you so much for everybody that's listened to this word and says, God, I love you and I just want to connect with you. Lord, we know there are so many unexplained things that happen in life, but we know that you couldn't explain all of everything that happens to us. So God, right now, in this moment, we're going to bridge the unknown experiences in our lives with trust that declares you are good. So good. You love us. We are so grateful. I pray for everyone with a hand on their heart right now, that Lord, that they'd feel your presence, that they'd experience the reality of your presence in their lives. Lord, pour out your spirit right now. Pray for the presence of your spirit to begin to just overwhelm them, fill them with joy, fill them with peace. Let it rule their hearts and minds. Open up ears, open up hearts right now. Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks for listening to the Bright Weekly Podcast. 
We hope you're encouraged today and we'd love to see you at one of our services. So to connect further with us, head over to brightchurch.com.